What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. I'm very excited today. I am actually joined by a very good friend of mine, Trent Rodiger. He's a Titans fan. He's going to help me go through the Titans. I'll give you guys some great insight, but he's probably going to do more of that because he's a diehard Titans fan. How's it going? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm honestly super excited to have you on. Everyone that's listening, they know, you know, I usually go pretty in-depth with all the teams but of course i'm not gonna have more insight than somebody who follows the team religiously yes like you so i'm hoping you can help me out here uh so we're gonna talk about the titans and usually when i do my projections i go through personnel changes first because i like to see what changed this year compared to last year right so i'm gonna just go through a couple people that i think are gonna make a significant difference and then you could tell me if you think i miss anybody so obviously you guys lost Corey davis lost john smith those two people accounted for 1,400 yards and 13 touchdowns last year. But then you replaced those two weapons with Josh Reynolds and Julio Jones. You also drafted offensive tackle Dylan Redunst in the second round. And then I think probably the biggest loss, but maybe you'll disagree with me, is offensive coordinator Arthur Smith going to Atlanta. So those are some huge offensive pieces that I think changed. And then we've got the defense that changed. And before I go through some of the people that I think make a big difference for you guys' defense, and this might be painful for you to hear, but (laughs) your defense last year was horrible. 28th overall defense, 24th in scoring, 30th in sacks, 30th in first downs given up, and 32nd in third down stop percentage. And then you guys lost to Quan Jones. Mm -hmm. You guys signed Bud Dupree. You have Jalen Brown coming back healthy. And then you guys completely flipped that corner room. You guys got rid of Adoree, Jackson, Malcolm Brown, and lost Desmond King. But then you brought in Janoris Jenkins, the 27th ranked outside corner by PFF. He's been consistently okay. I, I don't think he's going to be great. I don't think he's going to be bad by any means. I think he'd be pretty consistent, help that young room. And then you also drafted Caleb Farley, which I think was a great pick. I don't know how you feel about that if you've seen reports, but... That's basically what we've got for the defensive side. I also know you guys drafted Elijah Molden. He could be an interesting guy in the yes, third for like very a, much. Yeah, like a slot safety to replace possibly Kenny Vaccaro. So what do you think about your defense? I'm feeling like it might be a little bit worse, but it's not because of the moves overall for the long term. It's more because there's so many new faces on this defense. I think the first year to gel, I think it's going to be pretty tough. So even if these improvements are good for you know, the next couple years, I think this year for the point of projections, I think the defense will be a little bit worse, but I'm curious to see what you think about these guys. Cause you're going to know a lot more than I do. So, uh, let's just, I guess we'll break it down by a uh, front seven. Okay. Or we'll go D line, uh, linebackers secondary, and then we'll go from there. Perfect. Um, so about our defense, it was awful last year, historically bad. I know, um, teams actually had a basically a 52% chance on third down to convert and get a first down. And I saw that time and time again, and we always had to get in shootouts and uh, it was hard to watch. 
We won the division, but it was very hard to watch, and that is not a recipe for success, and you cannot repeat that. Um, so we're going to start off with uh, what I think is probably the most underrated defensive signing we've made to the Titans so perfect. far. I was going to um, ask you about that. That's perfect. Let's uh, Danico Autry from the Colts. Perfect. One, I think anytime you get a key player from a division rival, it's huge. And um, Danico or Danico Autry is uh, he had seven and a half sacks last year, but nobody ever talks about him. And while he benefited from DeForest Buckner, who's you know he's not Aaron Donald level, but if there's a tier below Aaron Donald he's on the pretty, interior, yeah, he's, he's, he's incredible. So you have a guy who has seven and a half sacks and is is a disruptor on the inside. That's going to make Jeffrey Simmons better. Jeffrey Simmons had no compliment. Daquan Jones, who you mentioned, he is a uh, plug and play run stopper. You know he 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 was good, sure, but he wasn't um, very replaceable. I think you think so. All right, very, I think he's very replaceable. And uh, actually, who the Titans recently just signed um, from another division rival, Avery Jones. Um, he had undrafted guy. Um, I think he had spent the past seven seasons with the Jaguars and uh, as a rotational player, but. I think what Avery Jones can do is more or less going to be the same results as Daquan, and he's probably not even going to be a full-time starter or get the playing time that Daquan got. So you think you would say overall the D-line is a little bit better? I is that what I'm getting? I 100% from? think the uh, defensive line is better, and uh, you add another year of maturity with Jeffrey Simmons, who I'm very high on. I think anytime you have an interior guy that requires double teams – um, that's huge, and it opens up everything else. And that's you just don't leave a one-on-one guard with Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, I think last year he had about three sacks. But compare his numbers to of Fletcher Cox, who's making you know twelve million more. While Fletcher brings more to the game, obviously, I don't think uh, they're too they're too far from each other, uh, talent-wise or production-wise. All right. So then the D line. You've got him as a slight upgrade. So let's move to the linebacker mm-hmm. core. So I don't know if you include where would you more slot Bud Dupree? How do you guys? How do you think you guys are going to use him? Because he's a linebacker, but he's also can be used as an edge. So what do you think he's going he's to impact? Edge. He's a hundred. He's going to be a hundred percent edge. I mean, he's what is he going two seventy right? He's uh, he's edge. Um, I would almost consider him. He's not D line, but I would, the way we're going to use him is going to be D-line. Maybe kind of edge. like a, a Shaq Barrett type role? Yes. Okay. Very very similar. Yeah, so that's perfect. That's That helps me understand for sure, As obviously, as a Bucks fan. So, uh, I know he's he's coming off a torn ACL, and I you know I hear all this chirping. I hear all the, all the people who are knocking that signing about the Titans with Bud Dupree. They're, oh, TJ Watt, uh, he had all the, you know, gave him the most one-on-one opportunities. He's coming off a torn ACL. He's not going to put up the numbers in production. And the reason I think he is is because while he is going to be the number one guy, he's Bud Dupree for Titans fans is going to be what everyone thought Jadavion Clowney was supposed to be last year. And Jadavion Clowney was a bad signing. I'm glad we got him. But, you know, looking back, what we had to give up to get Jadavion, uh, you know, the money we should have used to re-sign Jack Conklin, who's coming off an all-pro season with the Browns. Yeah, we've talked about that previously or, off, or, off the podcast. Yeah, that was... Jack Conklin should have stayed in the building, but continue. Or somebody like Logan Ryan, who has, you saw, he waited, he sat out in free agency, and then he signed with the Giants, and he made the Giants a top 10 defense in the NFL. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, 
the production, the, the, the numbers that get put in the stat box don't correlate to what they actually do on the field. And uh, I think last year with our historically bad uh, third down defense and things like that, we missed people like Logan Ryan so much more because he really was the linchpin that brought it all together. All right. And so, so that's good uh, content right there on Bud Dupree. The linebackers overall, do you think Jayon Brown coming back healthy, you think they're going to also perform better compared to last year? So the only reason I'm sold, I, th- I think Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans are both average. I think um, they have things that they're good at, and then they have things that people definitely look at the Titans and they say, we're going to expose this. That's a weakness. Uh, the reason I like them right now is that Jayon is going into a contract year. And if you look at throughout the league, anytime players are in a contract year, they usually try their best. They, they give it that extra push, what it takes for them to get the next big payday, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Jayon Brown really hasn't been paid yet. He's, uh, he's a very young guy, and um, he's not a super big physical specimen. I think he's, you know, 6'1", 235. You know, he's, you know our, a lot of people look like him. I'll just put it like that. And uh, I think him coming back was a very smart move for his part on his part because he probably could have signed somewhere else for more money but um he would have had to relearn his system and he definitely wouldn't have been getting the same playing time you know you don't sign Jayon Brown as a starter for another team he would have been more so a very nice complimentary death piece Mm -hmm. but I think Jayon Brown is going to have a very good year if he stays healthy all right so then we've got gone over the D-line the linebacker core so that secondary is the most important the the biggest change in my opinion and we've got a lot of turnover there. So talk about the secondary. Tell me if you think overall it's an upgrade and also if you think they're going to kind of struggle this year because there's a lot of faces and they're going to have to learn the system and stuff like that. I think they're definitely going to struggle. But I think the most important thing is is you don't be as bad as you were last year because that was bad. We had quarterbacks looking like all pros out there against us. You know, it, it was it was pathetic. And uh, I think they're definitely going to be the weakest part of our team. But um, are they going to be as bad as they were last year? No. And this is the thing I always hear people talking about. They say, well, you guys lost Malcolm Butler, Adoree Jackson. Adoree Jackson, when he played, was okay. Um, He was definitely not worth what he was asking for. And the Giants grossly overpaid to get him. Uh, Malcolm Butler hurts much more than Adoree Jackson. But with that being said... I think Janoris Jenkins is better than Malcolm Butler, and uh, yeah, I'm fine with y- that too. The I'm, most, I'm glad you said Malcolm Butler, by the way, because I said Malcolm Brown earlier. I just oh yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, I know yeah, what you yeah. meant. You know what I meant. All right. So the most important ability that any player can have, right, is availability and consistency over talent. I would say in most cases, and you got to have people that are going to be healthy and uh, play. And Adoree Jackson really wasn't that guy for us. He really wasn't able to stay healthy. And when he was on the field, he didn't make that uh, first-round impact that a lot of fans thought he would. So um, I would say it's going to improve just because it's not going to be as bad as it was last year. And I think all of this has to do with the signings of uh, Bud Dupree and Danico Autry. So if you look at the Titans' sack record or number last year, I want to say they had 23 sacks, which was um, awful. And yeah, then, 30, 30th in the league. Yeah, so um, thanks it's, for reminding it's hard, me. Yeah, it's hard not to improve from that. That's also a good 
angle to take here is because while I think all, all the changing faces and everything in the defense is going to make it hard to get better, it's also going to be hard to be as bad as they were last year. So it's an interesting debate in that aspect. But overall, I think it's not going to be too far off whether it improves or gets worse to the point where it makes a in, like an, a huge impact on the projections. But how big of a difference do you think it will be? I think if the Titans can, in, in very key categories, um, like um, a p- offensive uh, third down converting, it, it cannot be... If it goes from 52% to, say, 44%, a lot of these shootouts... And, and this is why and this is why the pass rush is so critical for the Titans' success. I think the secondary, uh, I'm glad they're gone because I think it's more or less going to be the same thing, but it's going to be cheaper. So I like that. Even though we did probably pay more than I would like for Jenkins. I think it's very important to have a uh, veteran Pro Bowl presence yeah. in that cornerback room who can mentor a guy who's a a freaking beast like Farley, you know, 6'1", you know, just a very tall, lean, athletic, a guy who can most definitely match up um, physically-wise with wide receiver, true wide receiver ones in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So when you have guys like Danico Autry, who had seven and a half sacks, Bud Dupree had eight sacks before he tore his ACL last year. We had 23, and just those two players alone, who didn't even play a full season, had 15 and a half. Um, when we get to the quarterback, it's less time that the secondary has to stay there and operate, and uh, it's it's gonna you'll you'll see it. If we go from the 30th ranked defense to the 22nd ranked defense, that's gonna result in probably two or three more wins for the Titans. And that's funny that you actually say that because. So I've given my input, you've given your input, but let's say the listeners want a third input, right? We've got PFF here. I just noted some numbers. It's interesting you said 22nd as your example because they actually have the D-line ranked at 23rd in the league and the secondary ranked 21st. Obviously, right between that is 22nd. They didn't go over their linebackers yet, but I wouldn't say your linebacker core is significantly better or significantly worse than most teams in the league. So I think your, your defense might actually be right around that. So the last thing on the defense... I would ask you is who was the biggest loss? Biggest loss. Ooh. <laughs> the biggest loss on the Titans defense. I would have to say um and do you think the team did a good job at rectifying that loss? Yes. I think um I would say in my opinion the biggest loss on the defense is without a doubt Malcolm Butler. Okay. I, I know a lot of fans, the casual fans, would say Jadavion Clowney. And while he did get double teamed, sure, um, his injury history and how he's really, I just, he's just always hurt. Like I said, yeah. I mean, what's the point of paying somebody? And he's not a max effort player either. I don't, I don't get that vibe from him at all. But then again, I'm not there on the practice field. Of but uh, I just, uh, I think it's important, sure, to get that guy who will supposed to give you double teams, but. I think, you know, this is 2020 Jadavion. It's not 2015, 2016 Jadavion. Uh, so Malcolm Butler, um, I think we'll definitely miss him, especially I believe he only signed a, a one-year deal with the Cardinals as well. You know, he's he's kind of a plug-in guy for that season, and he'll go mm-hmm. from there. So it would be nice to have somebody like him back to uh, make our secondary that much more shored up. But, yeah. Yeah, so so perfect. So that's what we've got on the defense. I want to move over to some trends, some history things that mm-hmm. I noticed. This is kind of where I start my projections usually. So last year in, two, in 2020, the Titans ran the ball 52% of the time, passed the ball 48% of the time. They're one of the few offenses in the NFL that run more than they pass. In 2019, they 
passed 50% of the time and ran 50% of the time. So their run rate actually went down a little bit two years ago. I think a big reason why is because the defense was not nearly as bad. Their defense was worse last year. That's why they had to pass a little bit more, right? So in that way, I think that we will see them pass a lot still because the defense is not great. But the biggest difference for me is the addition of Julio Jones. And I think that we're going to see kind of a shift in terms of the offensive, um, I would say, rates of pass and run. Not to a crazy, crazy degree. They're still going to be one of the more run-heavy teams in the league. Probably still top five. Because like I said, not many teams run more than they pass. But I personally am projecting around a 50.5% pass rate, 51% pass rate. And I'm curious how you see the team. Do you think they're going to be passing more because maybe they'll be in games more and they won't be playing catch-up as much if the defense is a little bit better? But they also have a better reason to pass more often because they have a Julio Jones now across from A.J. Brown. And you can't double them. You can't double them both. Somebody's always exactly. going to have a one-on-one. So I'm curious, do you think we're going to see possibly Ryan Tannehill pass way more than we've seen so far with Tennessee? I think you're going to see a career year with uh, Tannehill. And um, so so this is what I think about our pass offense is I don't think we're going to go crazy and lose our minds and think we're, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Patrick's Mah- Patrick Mahomes and start slinging the ball just because we have two um, Pro Bowl, potentially all pro caliber wide receivers, you know, with A.J. Brown definitely being the next in line to take that mantle and then Julio being probably the most established wide receiver in the past decade. So I think... Um, our offense is going to be the most balanced it has been since Rabel's been there, and it's going to be like that uh, because Julio signed there. And I don't think you're going to see any crazy numbers. Um, I would say if I had one hot take about Julio, you're probably going to see him get double-digit touchdowns, which is uh, something, believe it or not, he has not done a lot in his career. He's, he's only, only done it once, second year. Yeah, it's I saw he's at 60 total career touchdowns, but you, you think Julio... You, it's yards and catches really he's not doing a lot of damage in the end zone and things like that but um if I I would say it's going to be super balanced but because it's balanced our play action is bar none going to be the best in the NFL I think uh worst case scenario you know if everyone stays healthy probably top six top seven um so when you have a guy like Julio and I get it he's on the back end of his career you know 32 years old Regardless if he is as talented or as effective as he once was, because he's out there, because he exists, he is guaranteed going to get a double team most of the time. Even if he's not worthy or worth a double team, he's going to get it because it's Julio Jones. And because that's a thing, that changes uh, the boxes that the Titans are going to face. Last year, the Titans faced an eight-man box 24% of the time. They, most in the NFL, they they had loaded boxes, and well, and Derrick Henry was still a monster, and and they still couldn't stop Derrick Henry, and I think the signing of Julio is going to increase the longevity of Derrick Henry, and while I love him, and I truly, I truly believe he's a special athlete and a specimen like no other. You're talking about Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, yes, but when you lead the NFL, Father Time is undefeated, except for Tom Brady. When you lead the NFL as a running back, you are. It's just not good. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get dinged up. Yeah. And these, these bruises, especially more so at the running back position, are going to affect you more so than any other position in football. So I think Derrick Henry, he's definitely not going to get 2,000 yards, but I think a healthy 
1,500 yards with double-digit touchdowns and probably 60 or 70 to 70 less touches per game. But that's only because we have Julio and our play action is going to be so deadly. And so while Derrick Henry's numbers are going to go down, look for a very solid 1,200, 10-touchdown season from Julio and very similar numbers for A.J. Brown as well. And also, if you're in a bind at tight end, Anthony Ferkser is worthy of a uh, a pickup, uh, something you stash in your league. I think he's a guy. He's He has no wiggle. You know, think uh, old Jason Witten. Sure hands, but he's not going to get you yak at all. But um, they're going to target him in the red zone, which is kind of what mm. the story of Jason Witten's career is. He's not like Jason Witten, but I'm just saying, yeah. think old Raiders Jason Witten. It's, yeah, very interesting. So I like it. You're jumping into your projections and everything already. That's cool. So with that said, we're going to get into my projections and, mm-hmm. and how I went over everything. I'm basically going to go through my process as I always do on my podcast. And then after I finish each player, you'll give me your comments mm-hmm. if you think there's anything I did wrong, whatever, um, that type of thing. But we have to first establish how many plays we're going to have, right? So taking the average play pace from the last two years and then extending it over a 17-game season... They're working with almost 1,100 plays this going into this season. It's 1095. And if you give the rates that we just talked about previously, pass, run, that's going to put your Titans at 577 passes if they're passing a little bit more because of Julio Jones being added. And then it puts them at 512 runs total, not to the running back position. So I'm going to start with Ryan Tannehill, 577 passes. We got to work with the efficiency and all that stuff. But first, we got to knock out for fantasy purposes, the rushing yards, because I think it's something people sleep on with Ryan Tannehill. He runs the ball more than people realize. He's got 11 touchdowns over the last two seasons with the Titans, and he has not even played two full seasons with the Titans. He's averaging more than five touchdowns a season. So me projecting him to only have five touchdowns in an extended season, I think is very like very reasonable and it's going to make him actually very good for fantasy a lot better than I think people realize I have him for 50 rushes which will take off of the 512 runs 240 yards and five touchdowns and when you add that to the fact that he's probably gonna be passing more and he might be more efficient with Julio Jones replacing Corey Davis Mm -hmm. because obviously that's a huge upgrade and yes John Smith leaving will hurt but I think Julio is more of an upgrade compared to losing Corey Davis and Jonu Smith so I think we're actually going to see a very efficient guy already in Ryan Tannehill who two years ago averaged 13.8 yards per completion with a 70% completion rate or like a 68% completion rate he was absolutely ridiculous and we're going to see somebody who's always been efficient possibly be more efficient not to that level because that was just an outlier but last year he was still very good I'm projecting that to go up a little bit. So overall, Ryan Tannehill is going to be really, really good. And I think he's going to be slept on. He's going to be a value in drafts. Do you agree kind of that Ryan Tannehill is going to increase in his pass efficiency metrics? Or do you think maybe the Corey Davis and Jonu Smith and Adam Humphreys losses outweigh the addition of Julio Jones and Josh Reynolds? I think Adam Humphreys. Um... And the offensive tackle as well. I didn't even mention him. That should also help a little bit. Uh, Dylan Redunce, I think um, he he should be well off. You know, it's kind of, you know, once you, uh, I, I think he'll be good, but um, it's yet to be determined. And as a Titans fan, uh, the last thing I'm going to do is put a lot of stock in first round draft pick offensive lineman because Isaiah Wilson broke my heart. And uh, so hopefully, I, I think he has a better head on his shoulders than Wilson did. But um, 
So I think Wilson, that'll be a huge upgrade. And he's more of a Mahler type. You know, he went North Dakota State. They, um, very similar. That's why everyone was very high on Trey Lance is because uh, do a lot of under the center, things like that, which is what the Titans do. We're not mm-hmm. out of the gun most of the time. So um, uh, the Corey Davis, Johnny loss, uh, Corey Davis is much more replaceable uh, than Johnny. But with that being said, um, I think Johnny probably, while he's very good and, you know, a very good tight end. I think he probably gets a little too much uh, hype. Hype. I, I think he is. Um, we developed him. I remember when he was drafted. I think he was a Florida Atlantic or Florida Interact. He was a very fifth or sixth round pick. You know, he was developed. That was the epitome of a draft and stash developed player. Yeah, where had the athletic traits absolutely needed to get the. Uh, you know, you it's know, it's the NFL, it's the NFL combine. Everybody passes the look test, right? Yeah. But it's what you can do with your looks that determine how good of a player that you are. Um, so I don't think the Johnny loss will be as big as everyone thinks it's going to be, which is why I think Ferkser uh, potentially could have, you know, uh, a four or five touchdown season. Uh, obviously, not as many yards, but um, he 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 he's going to fill the void much better than people are going to give him credit for. And then uh, Corey Davis, fifth overall pick, um, didn't pan out. I'm glad he improved every season the way he did. But uh, was he worth what he was asking for? And would I have Julio over Corey Davis, obviously? And then let's talk about Josh Reynolds as well. So Josh Reynolds, he's coming from the Rams. He's he's coming from a system where he was already the third guy. He knows his role. You know, Los Angeles, they had Cooper Cup and Robert Woods as their one-two. Whereas, you know, Reynolds, we were asking a lot for him to step in and be a true number two, which he would have had to have been because uh, there's no, there's not a lot of depth on our wide receiver depth chart. But the fact that he can now go back to what he was before as a number three, I think is very huge as well. All right. So sounds like we're both in on Ryan Tanhill. And Absolutely. I'm, yeah. And I'm going to go over my projections. I always do it at the end, like the actual statistical projections, <laughs> um, because I feel like a lot of people and on the Twitter world, I know you're not really too active mm-hmm. on there but on the twitter world everyone will like tweet out oh i think this guy's gonna get this many yards whatever but usually it's just how they feel it's not backed by anything but that's why i go through how i got there so that once i do say it it has more weight to it sure you know people actually understand how i got there so we're gonna start <laughs> now with derrick henry i usually go quarterback then running back absolutely and derrick henry is the closest thing in today's game to 10 15 years ago with the absolute workhorses I've talked about how pretty much you do not find even the best of the best running backs getting more than 70, 75% of their running back carries for their team. Derrick Henry is the leader in that. 82% of the carries to the running back position last year, he had more than that in 2019. He, like I said, has the biggest backfield share in the NFL. But the thing that worries me is he's coming off of a 2,000-yard mm-hmm. rushing season. And the best season that somebody's ever had like following a 2,000 rushing yard season was less than 1,500 rushing yards. Now, I do think Derrick Henry is going to break that. We don't have a huge sample size. I think there's maybe like six seasons that that's happened. Right. So, obviously, it's not something super reliable. But it just kind of shows that, especially with Derrick Henry improving every single season, it's actually crazy. He's improved his, in the last three years, his rush count has increased, his yards per carry has increased, and his touchdown count has increased. All three stats have gotten better every single year. It's not going to happen again. That trend is definitely going to break. Like he was 
insane in efficiency. He was insane in touchdowns. He's a beast, and I think he's going to be very worth it in redraft, but I do think he's going to drop off because of, one, that stat that worries me, but it's more towards the fact that you guys are going to pass a little bit more this year, and despite the fact that he should be more efficient because the passing game should be more deadly, he was already at 5.2 yards per carry last year off of 300-plus carries. It's hard to get better than that, so... It's very difficult, actually, projecting Henry because if I do my normal process, which is, okay, the receivers got better. Right. He should be a little bit better. The offensive line is a little bit better. He should be a little bit better. If I do that, I have Henry at, like, 2,200 rushing yards. And that's not realistic. It's in, not. In my opinion. Like, nobody's going to do that back-to-back. So I actually had to knock down his yards per carry. I put it at 4.8. Still very, very good. I think he's going to start seeing that tread on the tire get low, and he's gonna, it's going to start to show a little bit. Look, I'm not – you guys can't sure. see. You can't sure. see. No. He's getting heated. <laughs> no, I uh, no, I, I think it's I think that's fair, and um, I think that's reasonable, and that's kind of why I said I think his – that's why Julio increases – it's so beneficial for Julio to sign with everyone, including the fans. Obviously, the fans, we get a huge brand name, something that as a Titans fan, we've never been a sexy – uh, free agent destination you know nashville i love it it's great go visit it if you haven't but um you know i could count probably on two hands how many times i've seen the titans ever mentioned on espn or you know the, the talking heads <laughs> hey, you know that they was don't... the bucks for a while man that was oh the bucks well it'll be you guys after tom brady leaves oh but, uh, okay he's yeah. throwing shots all right but uh no Derrick Henry, his his carries are going to go down, and his efficiency will more than likely go down. I as have well. that as well. Yeah, I, I think his carry share is going to go down. I'm projecting eighty percent down from eighty two last year. Well, and, and also another thing too. So the Titans RB two last year um, was supposed to be a guy, a third round draft pick out of Appalachian State, Darrington Evans, and uh, we drafted him as kind of a, the slasher type. Think, um, think a James White, a Dion Lewis. You know, definitely a smaller back. But um, he was supposed to take up or at least give Derrick Henry's kind of some breaks on third and threes, third and fours, because uh, Henry isn't really viewed as a legitimate threat in the pass game as well. Mm-hmm. More so a decoy in those options um, or those scenarios. So I think with a healthy Darrington Evans um, back, uh, he'll probably get some of those shares because, I mean, if this was a fifth or sixth round guy, I could see him being replaced. But a third round draft pick. I think is pretty substantial and you don't draft a guy in the third round just to bench him, you know? So I think you're going to see, um, if he stays healthy, his carries go up. Uh, and also to go back to Tannehill's, uh, rushing touchdowns, he was a wide receiver sure. at Texas A&M before he converted to oh, quarterback. Yeah, he's an athlete. So he's, he's an underrated athlete, but uh, sure. a lot of people don't, uh, understand that or they see the, the size and frame and, you know, yeah. So another thing with, with uh, Derrick Henry is the touchdowns. Like I said, he's been averaging more than a touchdown per game for the last two seasons. So that would put him at, his average would put him at 18 touchdowns this year if I just projected that. I cannot do that. That is super unrealistic. I also think that it's more likely that when they hit the red zone, they're going to pass a little bit more than they mm-hmm. have in the past because they have Julio Jones down. We're going to talk about Julio Jones later on, so I don't want to spoil anything. But I think his touchdown career numbers are a little bit deceiving. And you kind of were mentioning that as well. And it's more because of what the Falcons did, not because of who Julio Jones is as a player. Right. But I have Henry at 14 touchdowns. So that would be four less than what his average would put him at. Right. So that's also a safe projection. And putting him at that 80% carry share puts him at a ridiculous 369 carries still. 
So, yeah. I mean, he's he's going to be a monster regardless. It's really just trying to pick him versus a Dalvin Cook versus a Saquon Barkley versus Christian McCaffrey. So that's why it does matter in a sense. But he's going to be great regardless, especially for a redraft. I would just caution people in Dynasty. I mean, I, just real quick, I would say he's got two like RB1 seasons left, like a top 12 for fantasy purposes. Do you think it's a little bit longer than that? Um, I would say... Uh, I would say two is probably a safe bet. I wouldn't be surprised if it was three. I think, you know, kind of the dangers that um, I, I get with Derrick Henry is uh, he's great. He, you know, he's an all-star for about, you know, four seasons. And then he kind of just fades into not elite, but a, a really good, very, I would say very similar, um, even though they're not the same type of running back, Ezekiel Elliott, how he kind of took the league by storm. And uh, he 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 is not he's not the same Zeke that we knew the first you know four years into his yeah. you know league. So I would say his numbers are definitely going to decrease. Um, I would I would put him at 14, 14 15 touchdowns yeah, safely. So we're kind of pretty much on the and, same page. It may be one receiving if that that's a very big. That's maybe. what I did that's, too. Yeah, that's if he you know stiff arms a cornerback and goes sixty yards on a flat. You mm-hmm. know, it's not he's just really not there yet. But uh, I think um, fourteen to uh, sixteen in a seventeen game season is probably a safe bet for what he's going to do. And yeah. I do think he's going to uh, have another at least second team All Pro season. And one last thing about Derrick Henry, part of the reason why I think he's going to have a shorter shelf life is because, at least for fantasy purposes, is because of that lack of receiving. Because usually you'll see Mm -hmm. guys that can catch the ball at the running back position and get utilization there, they last into their careers a little bit longer because that age is better. You know, like an Alvin Kamara is probably going to age better than Derrick Henry because they're not taking as much carries and stuff. So that's another reason that I say that about Derrick Henry. But let's move to the receivers. Let's start with the wide receiver one. So (laughs) who am I talking about? The wide receiver one for the Titans. Who do you think I'm talking about? Uh, wide receiver one, I would say, is A.J. Brown. All right. Agreed. Perfect. So, A.J. Brown, he's crazy good. And I'm honestly, I'm not sure if there's that much of a gap, if there is at all, between him and Julio at, at this point of Julio's career. And a lot of people, for some reason, want to debate A.J. Brown versus Julio Jones. Who's going to get more targets? Oh, Julio Jones is a top three NFL wide receiver for the past six, seven years. Like, he's going to out-target. Guys, Relax. Relax. A.J. Brown, he's got pre-established chemistry. He also, by the way, Julio was out-targeted by Calvin Ridley last year. I, most people don't know that. Yeah, that's when, that's a huge thing. When they were that's on very the, and I'm not talking about total targets. When they were <clears throat> on the field, and if you just look at the games, they were on the field together, Calvin Ridley got more targets than Julio Jones. Julio Jones, like you said, is probably going to be the one between him and A.J. Brown just because of his name and his legacy Absolutely. that draws the double coverage. So A.J. Brown... He's not going to be hurt at all. I think he's still going to lead this team in targets. And now, those targets are going to be more efficient. He's already been a crazy efficient wide receiver. And when you're actually looking at Corey Davis, Corey Davis last year was really efficient because A.J. Brown was the one that dealt with harder coverage. Now A.J. Brown is going to have the Corey Davis coverage. So A.J. Brown is going to be a monster. And I'm you're going to see this in my projections at the end. But he's going to have a similar target share with Julio there because Julio's not going to pick up all of the missing targets between Janu and Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys being gone. He's right. not going to pick up all of those. And Ferkshire's going to take some of what Janu left. Reynolds is going to take some of what was left. But Julio's not going to just 
become the dude in this offense. I think he's going to be the guy who helps everyone else more than he helps himself in terms of numbers. Now, Julio Jones is going to be good as well, but A.J. Brown is my guy in this offense, and I think this year is the year where he makes a case for, hey, I'm a top five wide receiver in the NFL. He had a 25% target share last year. I'm projecting the exact same this year. And his 11 touchdowns last year is really high. So it's going to be hard for me to improve it too much, but I'm not... I'm going for it. Like, I'm going with what I feel, and I'm setting it at 13. Because I really believe that he's going to have a way easier time in the red zone with Julio Jones on the other side. Plus, they're going to throw more often in the red zone. They're throwing more often in general. And their defense is still not good enough to the point where they're going to be winning games consistently in the fourth quarter, and they're going to just pound Derrick Henry up the middle. So I really believe that A.J. Brown is going to have that year this year that just makes people say, wow. I should have drafted this guy earlier. And he's my, for that reason, my dynasty wide receiver too. And I'm, and I'm not even changing his efficiency by a crazy number. His catch rate and his yards per reception, I'm bumping up by about 1%, 2%. So that's nothing. And you'll see what it makes him at the end. So that's what I have on AJ. And without trying to put too much on Julio, because we'll talk about him in a second, mm-hmm. what do you think about those those kind of points? Because I think AJ Brown is really set to take over the league right now. I think that's fair. And I think uh, AJ's... 100% the Titans uh, true number one um, I think he's obviously going to get some double teams at some times but the thing about it is you can't double team AJ and Julio and okay say you do okay that's fine we'll just audible to Derrick Henry you know it's really it's kind of pick your poison pick which way you would rather lose when it comes to defending the Titans offense um, what I love about AJ Brown compared to uh, what I think separates him is he is a he's a, a yak guy. He's a guy that can take a eight yard curl to the house and he can make people miss and he has a stiff arm and he has a juke and he's he's violent. He's, he's very the aggressive. wide receiver Derrick Henry. <laughs> uh I don't know if I I mean that's interesting. I <laughs> In don't terms know. of like the strength and the he's, get off he's, he's and very he's very he's stout. He's very, very stout and he's hard to bring down and it's very rarely did I see him get tackled. Um I guess very rarely did I ever see him not make the first guy miss, or not miss. The, he's always you always have to have a group when you're tackling AJ Brown, and uh, so last year he had 70 catches for a thousand seventy five yards and 11 touchdowns. You compare that to the guys who are getting all the wide receiver one love, the Stephon Diggs, the Andre Hopkins. These guys are getting 130 targets. And having 115 catch seasons with, if you were to have A.J. Brown, say, go from 70 to 90 catches, which is very, very realistic. That's not a crazy expectation. We're talking the difference between 1,075 yards and 1,400 yards, you yeah, know, because and, of his and receiving yards, yeah. because of his efficiency. So if he goes from 70 catches, which is what he had last year, to 85 catches, go ahead and... I would say it's a very safe bet. If A.J. Brown has a 15-catch game, you're looking at potential 200 yards or, you know, a buck 80 or, you know, a very substantial difference. for sure. And he has that ability to break one for a huge distance. A.J. Brown has been one of the most efficient wide receivers since he's been in the NFL. Very similar to actually one of my very own. I think I have a jersey behind me, don't I? Chris Godwin. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Chris Godwin and A.J. Brown in fantasy points per target have been among the the leaders and the only reason i can't tell you for 
absolute certainty that they have been one and two is because I didn't do this chart. I didn't chart out everyone. Right. But through the past four or five years, I kind of get a really good sense of what's an outlier. And A.J. Brown and Chris Godwin are outliers in terms of that. So A.J. Brown, guys, he's been one of the most efficient, and it's not going to change. If anything, it's going to get better. Then we have Julio Jones. Corey Davis's target share. Let's just say if he just replaced Corey Davis, right? Corey Davis had a 22% target share last year. Julio as the number two, I think we'll get more than that because obviously he's more talented than Corey Davis. I think 24% target share. Remember I had uh, AJ Brown at 25. I think 24% target share for Julio seems appropriate. Berkshire is not going to take all of Janu's targets. Absolutely so not. It's hard for me to see the tight end room taking as much targets as a whole as they did last year with two very good tight ends Mm -hmm. so there's also some targets to get from that position and then like I was talking about earlier Corey Davis was insanely efficient I talked about something when I went over the Vikings with Justin Jefferson his crazy rookie year there are very few like this is a huge outlier type of combination of stats there are very few wide receivers that will have a 70 plus catch rate and average more than 15 yards per reception. Justin Jefferson was one of a handful of people that did that. Another person who was in that category was Corey Davis. Why? Because of the presence of A.J. Brown. And yes, Corey Davis has gotten better, but it's going to be very easy for Julio to walk in and be efficient as well. Because they both, like you said, one-two punch may be the best in the NFL. And honestly, when I try and think of a a two-punch, a one-two punch that's better, I don't really know if I can. Because Julio Jones is still a top 10 receiver. A.J. Brown is a top 10 receiver. And the only thing you can go is depth-wise, maybe go to the Bucks. But in terms of the best two, I think you're right on the head with that. So when we're going back to Julio Jones, I don't think he's going to be way better in terms of efficiency than Corey Davis because he was already super efficient. And now mm-hmm. Julio's probably taking that double coverage instead of A.J. Brown. But his touchdown struggles, I think, is going to make up the difference or the lack of, because in the past, he has, like you said, only had one season of double-digit touchdowns. It was 10, so just barely. It was his sophomore season, and since then, he has not been the touchdown guy. Why? Not because of his ability. He's a very good wide receiver. He's probably the most well-rounded wide receiver we've seen in a very long time, especially if you consider the physical specimen that he is. So the biggest problem was the fact that he didn't get the red zone targets. I don't think that's going to be a problem with the Titans. I'm curious if you think that's going to be a problem. I think it won't be. And so, like you said, I actually have him projected. I guess I'll just throw it out now. Ten touchdowns. So I think he's going to hit that double-digit mark for yeah. the first time in a long time. I uh, I think I think this is the perfect storm for the Titans offense and for fantasy purposes of you're looking at. So Julio, up until this last season— had had six 1,300-plus receiving yard seasons in a row, which is insane. And that's insane. And we're talking about him replacing Corey Davis. I like Corey Davis. Like I said, he got better and better every year. But last year, he only had five receiving touchdowns. I think Julio's safely going to double that. And I think he's going to probably have another 20 catches more. Corey Davis... Had 65 catches, 984 yards, five touchdowns. That's pretty good. Most teams would take that as a wide receiver, two numbers. Absolutely. But Julio is, I think Julio and AJ, it's a very safe bet that they're both going to have 85 plus catches. Um, and I'm going to go uh, Julio uh, north of 1,100 yards, for sure 10 touchdowns, 
But if A.J. Brown goes bonkers and has a 90-catch, 1,400-yard uh, receiving, 14-touchdown uh, um, catches, don't be surprised at that at all. He's uh, Julio's going to put up more production than uh, Corey Davis, and he's going to be taking away Jonu's uh, shares that he used to get as well. And uh, you hit it, the nail on the head as well. Ferkser, while I do like him think he's underrated, he's not worthy of the target share that Jonu got. And because of that, I think that's going to benefit AJ and Julio more so. And then you throw in the loss of Corey Davis. So uh, I think Julio's going to have a much better year than he did last year, obviously because I'm assuming he's going to be healthy. And uh, AJ Brown is going to benefit from Julio. And Julio will also benefit from Derrick Henry because he's going to get those one-on-one opportunities. I promise you, I know that sounds crazy, but I promise you, there are going to be times where there is an eight-man box and they choose, they decide to double A.J. Brown and we're going to see Julio snag, like very vintage Julio, snag over cornerbacks one-on-one and uh, mm-hmm. we'll all be laughing on our way to the bank. <laughs> yeah, so I definitely agree with all of that and that was the perfect segue into Furcher. That's the last person I'm going to talk about. I did have slated to talk about Josh Reynolds before the Julio trade, but obviously He's not going to be fantasy relevant in a team that's this much funneled to their superstars and in a team that also is probably going to pass less than the NFL average. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm not talking about Reynolds for those that are wondering. But Ferkser, the tight ends had a 24% target share last year overall. Janu got a 13.5% target share. With Ferkser now being the number one and the backup being less talented than he was for Janu, I think he might actually get a little bit more targets, possibly. I'm at 15%, but he's not very efficient. He's not going to be... Uh, yards per reception beast like Janu or a yak guy like Janu. So with the rest going to the other positions that Janu left on the table, I don't think Ferkser is going to be great. So now with that said, we kind of finished my process. So I'm going to give you my stat projections. All right. So Ryan Tannehill, we already talked about 577 attempts, 381 completions. Here come the career highs. 4,722 yards. It's don't See, he's looking at me like he's surprised. So Total or passing? Passing. Okay. So Wow. So here's the thing. Because you guys are going to pass more often, and now there's a 17th game. So let's just, for the mind, to have an easier time comprehending. Mm-hmm. Just Let's say it was a 16-game season. So then I have him projected for basically 4450. 4,450 yards. That would be a career year. And why would he not have a career year? This is better than any situation he's ever had, ever. True. And he's also going to pass more than he has so far in Tennessee. So that's what I have for Tannehill and 38 passing touchdowns. Wow. Yeah, and that's that's working off his touchdown rates from the past. That's not even projecting right. a, a increase. Right. And then his rushing yards, the like I said, 240 rushing yards, for the five rushing touchdowns, this makes him my third quarterback so far projected for fantasy, right behind the only people that are going to possibly rush for a thousand yards, which is where the fantasy points are king for mm-hmm. quarterbacks is rushing yards, and it's Lamar and Jalen Hurts. And that's if Jalen Hurts actually plays a whole season and does work well with his, you know, with his new weapons. He's a way riskier pick than Tannehill, so I'd actually take Tannehill over uh, Hurts, who's the only person other than Lamar that I have ranked higher than him so far. And that puts Ryan Tannehill at 23.1 points per game. So when it's all said and done and I finish all 32 teams, Ryan Tannehill is definitely going to be a top 10 quarterback for me for for this fantasy season. Then we've got Derrick Henry. I've got him projected for 38. We didn't really talk much about receiving because there's not much to talk about. I got him for 26 receptions off 38 targets, 176 yards, and one touchdown. And then I've got him 
Yardage, 1,771 rushing yards, so just over 100 a game, 14 touchdowns. That puts him at 18.3 points per game. And I know you don't, we're recording this before the Steelers mm-hmm. podcast came out, so I know you don't know what I have projected for Najee and stuff, but that actually puts him right behind Najee Harris. I think they're going to use Najee a lot in the receiving game, kind of like Le'Veon he Bell. Is. But Derrick Henry is going to be a beast. And then Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. So, so far, the highest projected wide receiver I have is Justin Jefferson at 17.3 points per game. Julio Jones is now at 17.3 points per game, along with Justin Jefferson. And (laughs) he has more risk because he's older. Maybe he gets injured. He's in a new system. Maybe Mm -hmm. it takes time. So I would take Justin Jefferson over Julio Jones. But I do think Julio Jones and A.J. Brown can both be wide receiver ones. Julio Jones' stat projection for me is 138 targets, 94 receptions, 1,400 yards, and 10 touchdowns. A.J. Brown, for me, is at 19.7 points per game. He is my wide receiver one in fantasy for redraft so far. I haven't projected a Devontae Adams, but who knows what's happening with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. I haven't projected a Tyreek Hill. haven't projected Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins. So there might be people that move in front of him. Because usually you have t- three, four wide receivers when you're projecting for full health of a season that are above 20-something points per game and everything. But as of right now, A.J. Brown is my best, and it's by a large margin. He's at 19.7, and my number two is Justin Jefferson at 17.3. So big difference there. A.J. Brown's projection for me is 147 targets, so that's more than Julio, right? 99 receptions, 1,577 yards, and 13 touchdowns. That's what I have for A.J. Brown, and it's through the process that we've talked about. So while those numbers might sound ridiculous— it's very, very easy to get to those numbers mathematically. And then lastly, Anthony Ferkser, 87 targets, 61 receptions, 576 yards, and six touchdowns. That puts him at, oh shoot, I didn't put his points per game down, but it was like eight points per game. Nothing crazy. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's not somebody I'm going to be super excited about. But that's what I have. Do you think any of those were crazy? Didn't, were you surprised? It looked like you were surprised by a couple um, of them. I, I think I'm a little bit surprised. So. Well, one thing I, I do like about Julio is that he plays through injury. I know last year he had a um, a bad hamstring, but he was still out there producing while hurt. So with the full offseason, if he's healthy, um, I guess what I'm most surprised about is that uh, it's hard. I, I know we're going to pass more so than we have in seasons past, but I just have a hard time buying into uh, two wide receivers those are debatably first team all pro type seasons and to have two people like that on the same team um while I do love it as a fan I don't know if it's um believable or or it's very believable I just don't know how I I don't know I just I just I have a hard time accepting I think Julio will have 12 I think I'll probably have 90 I think both of them if you wanted to say both over 90 uh, I think only one of them would have a chance at over a hundred catch season, which would be AJ. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, Julio, because he is a yak guy and he he's hard to tackle and bring down, and he makes people miss. I could see his yards being uh, similar to that. I don't know if I'd say would you fourteen hundred? Yeah, fourteen hundred. I would say maybe around twelve fifty. I would probably be like best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I mean that that very well could happen. Um, so let me ask you this. Yeah. So a, a lot of people. <clears throat> Well, not many people do projections, but a lot of people mm-hmm. that do projections don't make sure it adds up. Sure. And what I mean by that, and I've said this a couple of times, so the listeners know what I'm talking about, but a lot of times somebody will project a quarterback 
for this number, right? And then when you look at what they projected for the wide receivers and tight ends and running backs and add that up, it's way more than what they had projected for the quarterback, and it makes no sense. Obviously, I work my projections off the quarterback, so I actually make sure I have another category, and I make sure the other category makes sense. So everyone that we didn't talk about, what's left? And let me ask you this. Outside of A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Derek Henry, and Anthony Ferkser, I've got 1,000 yards going to everybody else combined. 990. I've got eight touchdowns in that other category right. to spread around to the second tight end and Josh Reynolds and maybe Darrington Evans gets one or two. Right. And I've got 100 receptions going to the other category. Do you think those depth players are going to play a bigger role? Because if not, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones really can dominate the way that they're projected. I think uh, you might have a Jeff Swain steal one. I don't think he's a blocking tight end. He's not a He's not a guy that we're going to you know, when we put a two tight end set out there, you're not going to be like, oh, we have to cover him. You know, he's going to be out there if it's, you know, third and one, third and two, that type of situation. Um, that makes sense. I think Reynolds, I think it would probably be fair to put him around 450, 450 I would, I would say 500 at the very most. Exactly. So, exactly. yeah, no, I see what you're saying. It's just the hearing it out loud is very... Very surreal as a Titans fan, just because it seems yeah. so bizarre. It's as like, a Titans that's, fan. that's insane. Because yeah. we've always been a run the ball, even going back to the CJ2K for days. Sure. We've always had a dominant running back. For sure. But, yeah, so that's that's what we got for the Titans. I, I think they're all going to be very good values. They're all going to be very good. I, I would say the one person I'm probably lower on than consensus is Henry, because I believe the passing attack will take a step forward more than most. So, Henry I probably won't have much shares of, but... Ryan Tannehill, when I'm going QB late, which is always, that's always how you should do it in redraft. Always get your quarterback late. Don't be that person that spends a third round pick on a quarterback or a second round pick on a quarterback. But Ryan Tannehill is definitely one of those late round targets. Probably going to be the best one for me because I don't see him going as any more than maybe QB nine off the board because there's so many quarterbacks now and everyone loves all these young guys. And then Julio Jones, He's probably going to be a wide receiver one for me, or very close to it. AJ Brown's going to be in my top three, top five when it's all said and down, said and done. So that's the Titans, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you drop a rating, drop a review, and we need to get you on Twitter, Rodiger. Yeah, <laughs> we need to get you on Twitter a little yeah. bit, um, so you can, you know, give your like wonderful knowledge to let, the world. Let me add one one thing. Go uh, ahead. One criticism I've also been seeing on Twitter and things like that is that we have a new offensive coordinator, Todd Downing. Uh, to put you at ease about that, um, the Titans, who uh, have elected the last two offensive coordinators to hire in-house, have gone on to become head coaches. Um, as you know, uh, LaFleur has gone back-to-back 13-3 and seasons and just came off an MVP season with Rodgers. And then, uh, as you know, Arthur Smith to the Falcons. Uh, don't be afraid because Mike Vrabel has shown by having those two guys in back-to-back years, um, he, he, he has shown he knows what he's doing on offense. He knows what to look for in an offensive coordinator. And uh, so don't let that scare you away of them having a, a guy who doesn't have much experience beside his lone season with the uh, 2017 Raiders as an offensive coordinator. Don't let inexperience deter you from believing in this offense. And uh, Tannehill will be, uh, yet again, a uh, top eight efficient quarterback in the NFL. He's not going to blow your mind with yards, but when you look at low turnovers and high touchdowns, that's what you want in a quarterback. So that's my final piece. I love it. I love it. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Drop rating review. Till next time. Peace.